Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. There's plenty to celebrate in March and Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Conair is spreading love and celebrating women, not just on International Women's Day, but every day with Conair Girl Bomb. Girl Bomb is their new line of powerful hair removal tools made just for us. Yeah. Whether it's the silky smooth skin or the empowering confidence boost you get, Conair Girl Bomb is here to amp up those positive vibes with some self-care. So to all the beautiful women out there, keep shining, keep being you, and treat yourself to some Conair Girl Bomb magic. You deserve it. Available at Walgreens. This is Lee Habib, and this is Our American Stories, and we tell stories about everything here on this show, including your stories. Send them to OurAmericanStories.com. They're some of our favorites. And up next, a curious case of contract law. In 1996, one John Leonard sued Pepsi over a promise that he saw as reneged on. But that's only half of the story. Here's our own Monty Montgomery to help tell the rest. Court cases are serious business. If I put this knit cap on, who am I? I'm still Johnny Cochran with a knit cap. Court cases are important. 
If Douglas touches out. me, you will not be happy, Your Honor. I, you know what? If Douglas beats you to a pulp, I'll be delighted. Get out. And there's one court case in the 90s that was truly astounding. And no, it's not the People versus OJ. I'm talking about Leonard versus PepsiCo Inc. Here's Sean Kernan of Medium with this dramatic story of deceit, twists and turns, and contract law. In 1996, Pepsi rolled out one of its Drink Pepsi, Get Stuff campaigns. It was your usual promotion where you get points for purchases that you can later use. The TV ad targeted teenage and early 20s customers. It showed all these cool things you could win with Pepsi points. They showed a kid wearing a Pepsi t-shirt, 75 Pepsi points. He was wearing a leather jacket that was 1,450 points. He had sunglasses on that were 175 points. They then boasted, the more Pepsi you drink, the more great stuff you're going to get. Then, it escalated. The commercial ends with that same kid who was wearing the leather jacket and sunglasses landing a Harrier jet in front of a school. Everyone's papers were blowing off of their desks and kids were crowding to the window to see the jet landing. And there, in the courtyard, is a literal Harrier with the kid in it. The jet has armed the teeth, And below it, it says, Harrier Fighter, 7 million Pepsi points. The campaign was mostly a success as sales increased significantly, but there would be an interesting twist in this promotion. A 21-year-old business student, John Leonard, saw the commercial and took a particular interest in that jet. To get the Harrier, he would need to buy millions of Pepsis. Most winning Pepsis only had one point on the label. Some had three and five, but there were no one million Pepsi point bottles. But there was a workaround. John noticed the fine print said you could buy points to get the merchandise instead. Each point was 10 cents. So for example, the 1450 point jacket cost $145. The 175 point sunglasses would cost $17.50. Notably, both items likely cost a fraction of that to make, but it was good margins and smart business. What Pepsi failed to notice was the margins on the Harrier, which wasn't listed in the catalog, but was advertised in the commercial. John did some quick math and realized that the 7 million point Harrier would cost $700,000. Back in the real world, a fresh Harrier sells for north of $30 million. John Leonard found four investors who all pitched in, He then sent the check for $700,000 directly to Pepsi. His check said he wished to redeem his points for the Harrier they'd advertise in the commercial. And thus began a war of letters. Pepsi's marketing team wrote back, the item you've requested is not part of the Pepsi stuff collection. It is not included in the catalog or in the order form. Only catalog merchandise can be redeemed under this program. The Harrier jet in the commercial is fanciful and is included simply to create a humorous and entertaining ad. We apologize for any misunderstanding or confusion that you may have experienced. We are including some free product coupons for your use. John Leonard was not satisfied. His lawyer wrote a response. Your letter of May 7th, 1996 is totally unacceptable. We have reviewed the videotape of the Pepsi Stuff commercial and it clearly offers a new Harrier jet for 7 million Pepsi points. Our client followed your rules explicitly. This is a formal demand that you honor your commitment and make immediate arrangements to transfer the new Harrier jet to our client. 
If we do not receive transfer instructions within 10 business days of the date of this letter, you will leave us with no choice but to file an appropriate action against Pepsi. Pepsi's senior marketing executive, Raymond McGovern, then jumped in with his own letter. I find it hard to believe that you are of the opinion that the Pepsi Stuff commercial, quote, commercial, really offers a new Harrier jet. The use of the jet was clearly a joke that was meant to make the commercial more humorous and entertaining. In my opinion, no reasonable person would agree with your analysis of the commercial. This is when formal court cases started firing up. Quite comically, Pepsi had to file an official case stating they shouldn't be required to furnish a Harrier jet to John Leonard. For the next three years, this case weaved through court systems before a judge ruled in Pepsi's favor for two key reasons. One, a commercial is not a contractual offer. Two, the commercial was clearly tongue-in-cheek. No reasonable person would have thought the offer was real. Lastly, and quite humorously again, the judge added this commentary. In light of the Harrier jet's well-documented function in attacking and destroying surface-to-air targets, armed reconnaissance and air interdiction, and offensive and defensive anti-aircraft warfare, depiction of such a jet as a way to get to school in the morning is clearly not serious, even if the plaintiff contends the jet can be delivered in a form that removes its military use. Pepsi went on to amend its commercial, changing 7 million points to 700 million points. They would also add a small print to the advertisement, saying, just kidding. If there's any silver lining to all this madness, the case has now become a staple in law schools. A good majority of legal students will end up studying Leonard vs. PepsiCo Inc. as the case offers an entertaining look into the infinite gray area of contract law. All that being said, a small part of me still wishes they'd just given the guy the Harrier, or done something cool for him besides offering a few coupons. And a great job by Monty Montgomery, and just a delight to listen to, and in its own way, a kind of prank. I mean, they just wanted to see what would happen, but the idea of wrangling together $700,000 to just, well, stick it to Pepsi. Just have some fun. And of course, the court stuck it right back to these folks, but they've always had this story as a result, and a great law case. The story of John Leonard and a suit against Pepsi for a Harrier jet here on Our American Stories. Folks, if you love the great American stories we tell and love America like we do, we're asking you to become a part of the Our American Stories family. If you agree that America is a good and great country, please make a donation. A monthly gift of $17.76 is fast becoming a favorite option for supporters. Go to OurAmericanStories.com now and go to the Donate button and help us keep the great American stories coming. That's OurAmericanStories.com. This is Our American Stories, and our next story comes to us from a man who's simply known as the History Guy. His videos are watched by hundreds of thousands of people of all ages over on YouTube. The History Guy is also heard here at Our American Stories. Mary Catherine Horony, also known as Big Nose Kate, was more than just a beautiful woman who was associated with one of the most dangerous men in the Wild West. She was more than just Doc Holliday's on and off girlfriend turned wife. Here's the History Guy with the story of Big Nose Kate. 
Virgil Morgan and Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday walked into history on October 26, 1881 when they exchanged gunfire with a group of outlaws in the town of Tombstone in the Arizona Territory. What happened there is fairly well known, but much less well known was the story of the woman who briefly accompanied Doc Holliday at his time there in Tombstone and who may have saved his life earlier in his career. Without her, Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday may not have walked side by side into the most famous gunfight in the history of the Wild West. Mary Catherine Horony, better known as Big Nose Kate, was another larger-than-life colorful character of the Wild West, and hers is a story that deserves to be remembered. Some historians say Kate was born in Hungary, Slovakia in November 1849. Others claim the year was 1850. Whatever the truth, Kate's parents died when she was a teenager at 14 or 15 and left her and her siblings without parents in Iowa. Unhappy with her situation, she ran away from the foster home that took her in and stowed away on a riverboat that was traveling down the Mississippi. In later memoirs, Kate claims that she was discovered by the riverboat captain on this trip and was taken under his wing. She began to use his last name, Kate Fisher and enrolled in a school at a convent in St. Louis. She claims that in St. Louis she married a man named Silas Melvin and had a child with him, but both he and the child died of an illness. But again, the historical record is unable to prove that claim. But it also appears to be in St. Louis where she first began working as a prostitute. It was there, some historians claim, that Kate first met a man named John Henry Holliday, who would go on to fame in the West with the moniker Doc Holliday. Holiday had recently graduated from a dental school in Pennsylvania, but could not yet get a license to practice because he was too young, not yet 21 years of age. Holiday was in St. Louis because a friend, A. Jameson Fuchs Jr., offered Holiday a job in his practice in the interim. Fuchs' office was only a few blocks away from where Kate was plying her trade. Holiday, with his Georgia drawl and legendary manners, was probably quite memorable to Kate among the other men she entertained. He returned to Georgia in 1872 to open his own dental practice, leaving her behind, plying her trade. After this, historians believe Kate was working as a prostitute in Dodge City, Kansas. We know Kate changed locations because there is documentation showing she was fined in Dodge City for being a sporting woman, which was what officials called prostitution at the time. She was working at a brothel owned by Nellie Earp, the wife of James Earp, who was one of the lesser-known Earp brothers. Throughout her busy life, Kate was known by many nicknames because of her marriages and reputation of moving from place to place. In addition to Big Nose, she was also known as Katie Elder, Mrs. John H. Doc Holliday, Nosy Kate, Kate Cummings, and Kate Melvin. The nickname Big Nose Kate was actually used by Wyatt Earp in an article he wrote for a San Francisco newspaper in 1896. Earp wrote that this wasn't a comment on her actual nose, but referred to her strong, bold character. He said she had a legendary temper and valued her freedom over most anything else. Despite numerous film depictions to the contrary, Kate wasn't particularly fond of Earp and the feeling was reciprocated. She was not a blushing violet and never apologetic for her profession or her hard-drinking ways. The men around Kate may not have appreciated the way she didn't ask for permission to live the way she wanted to. They may also have been intimidated by her intelligence, which Holiday was known to have said was equal to his own. In the 1870s, Kate was living with J.S. Elder, a saloon keeper in Wichita, who gave her the surname made famous in the 1965 Western film The Sons of Katie Elder, starring John Wayne and Dean Martin. She was arrested for prostitution in June of that year, and that brush with the law may have encouraged her to move somewhere more friendly to her profession. Kate went upstream from Dodge City to Great Bend, and her protector, J.S. Elder, went elsewhere. 
Unfortunately, Trouble found her again in Great Pen, and Kate was fined $10 for assault and battery. She found another man to protect her, a saloon owner, gambler, and gunslinger named Tom Sherman, a man with a fearsome reputation. Sherman wasn't someone to mess around with. According to one story, after shooting a man in a gunfight, Sherman said to the people watching, I'd better shoot him again, hadn't I, boys? And he did, walking up to Point Blank Range to do so. Kate and Sherman wandered the West, going from town to town, seeking opportunities for both prostitute and gambler. She was working in Fort Griffith, Texas, when Doc Holliday blew into her life again. In the time since she had known him in St. Louis, Holliday had been shot in the leg and now walked with a limp. He had also picked up what people at the time called lung disease or consumption. Doctors today call it tuberculosis. It would eventually kill him, but in the meantime, Holliday went west, seeking the drier climates that were believed to help those with his condition. Along the way, he was developing his own reputation for violence, and no patience for those he felt were shortchanging him. In addition to reuniting with Cade, it was at Fort Griffin that Holliday met Wyatt Earp, then a deputy U.S. Marshal who was on the trail of the notorious outlaw, Dirty Dave Rudabaugh. Holiday had played cards with Rudabaugh and described him as an ignorant scoundrel. It is entirely possible that Wyatt and Doc Holiday were introduced by Kate, who was probably already familiar with Earp, having worked at James Earp's saloon earlier in her career. Later, Earp told a story about what happened in Fort Griffin. According to Earp, Holiday was playing cards with a notorious gambler named Ed Bailey when things went awry. Bailey, apparently not trusting Holiday to play fairly, was looking through the discard pile after every hand that was blatantly against the rules of the card game. Holiday asked Bailey to stop, and when he didn't, Holiday raked in the pot, apparently intending to leave. Bailey drew his gun to make Holiday put the money back, but Holiday gutted Bailey with a knife, killing him. The townspeople nabbed Holiday and threw him in jail, rumbling about ropes and murder. Kate jumped to Holiday's rescue by setting a huge fire to attract the town's attention, and then showed up at the jail, toting a gun in both hands, demanding Holiday's release. However the jailbreak happened, Kate and Holiday fled town and were at Dodge City, Kansas shortly thereafter. She claims that they married some time before arriving in Dodge City and they uh, registered at the hotel there under the name Dr. and Mrs. Holiday. Now together, Holiday continued to work as both a dentist and a gambler while Kate continued to practice the world's oldest profession. They continued on Western after Holiday was accused of burglarizing a store in Dodge City. His cough was becoming worse. They weren't tied down to any one place for very long. Holiday established a saloon in Las Vegas, New Mexico territory, but the town was already guarding a reputation for violence, so he sold up and the couple moved on. When the Earps encouraged Holiday to move to Tombstone, a rustic silver mining camp in Arizona territory, Kate lived elsewhere for a time, but joined him before the big shootout for which he is most well remembered. By some account, she may have witnessed the shootout. Their relationship throughout their time together was tempestuous. Once, after a serious argument, Holiday's enemies took advantage of their estrangement and talked Kate into filing a false claim with authorities that Holiday had helped to rob the Benson stagecoach. She'd been very drunk at the time that she made the statement, but it was a very serious accusation. Two men had been killed in the holdup. The Earp stepped in and provided witnesses proving Kate's statement false, but the damage to Kate and Holiday's relationship seemed permanent. They were never as close after that time. Things deteriorated further after Town Marshal Virgil Earp arrested Kate for disorderly conduct, and she left town, furious. Holiday died in Colorado in 1887. Kate married again in 1890 to George Cummings, a minor and, according to Kate, abusive alcoholic. They moved to Bisbee, Arizona, and Kate opened a bakery that failed. She divorced Cummings and moved in with Jack Howard, another minor. 
this final relationship seemed to be a good fit as Kate put down roots and stayed with Howard for 30 years. Howard left her the home they lived in after his death in 1930. She remained feisty and outspoken to the end, died of heart disease in November of 1940. She's buried at the cemetery at the Arizona Pioneers home in Prescott, Arizona. While she was at the Arizona Pioneers home, several authors came to her offering to write her story. At first she was angry because they didn't offer her money, and then she was angry because the story never seemed to get written. But those conversations did tell us something about her relationship with Doc Holliday. She said of him, I loved Doc, thought the world of him, and he was always kind to me until he got mixed up with those herbs. One wonders what nickname Big Nose Kate used when she was referring to Wyatt Earp. She said of her life once, Part is funny, part is sad, such is life any way you take it. Very reminiscent of a quote about life that Doc Holliday gave when he said, there is no normal life, there is only life. And that famous couple represented life in the Wild West. And great job on that as always by Greg Hengler. And again, go to YouTube and type in the history guy and you'll see all of his work. The story of Big Nose Kate, here on Our American Story. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Hey guys, it's Rich Davis from Cavino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance or any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew could stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you could sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter what your style, you could drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. 
My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. And we continue with Our American Stories. And up next... A visit with Arizona State University President Michael Crow. We've already told Michael's powerful personal story that you can hear at OurAmericanStories.com. And today, Alex Cortez brings us more from this transformational leader who's tripled Arizona State University's enrollment from 53,000 students to 158,000, while dramatically increasing quality at the very same time, something that's never been accomplished in academia, at least on the college level, before. Let's now go to Alex. Michael Crow is a university president who grew up eating government-issued Velveeta cheese, and to this day, he still craves it. And so naturally, he's a pretty straight shooter. I, I suffered a little put-down the other day by a trustee of an elite technological uh, university in Los Angeles, also known as Caltech. And so... And so uh, so he said, well, Michael, you know, we just try to be better, not bigger. And I said, I got that. And Caltech is a fabulous, one-of-a-kind, unbelievably powerful institution with a few hundred faculty members and a couple thousand students, and it's always going to be that. And it's going to do things that really nobody else has to do. But we can't build our society on that. We have to build our society on an institution that has a Caltech-like environment in it. That is, our faculty can do those kinds of things, but can scale in every possible way. And, and, you know, so we have this idea of the emergence of a new kind of university, a national service university. You've you got a Starbucks cup there. And so think of us as a um, social scale motivated university. Think of Starbucks as a socially conscious company. So Starbucks, we started this program with them a few years ago. It's been wildly successful. Our students who are their partners, that's what they call their employees, partners. You know, we've got 12,000 Starbucks partners who are our students. We've graduated 5,000 Starbucks partners from ASU. All the kids that have graduated, graduated with no cost and no debt. That's pretty powerful by itself. Here's what they found. And so they found higher retention, higher outcomes of performance, more mobility within the company more leadership candidates within the company for their manager positions and regional manager positions. And so, so this notion of invest in the person and you see tremendous things start to happen. And so we wouldn't have done the program with them, by the way, if they would have required the employees to stay at the company. So they don't even have to stay at the company. Uh, Starbucks is going to be expanding that program, moving that program forward in new ways. And we've agreed to produce 25,000 graduates. And I think we're going to agree to produce a lot more. So Starbucks' new CEO, who, who we have elaborate multi-level relationships with Starbucks, because they're attempting to advance three outcomes. And, and 
Kevin Johnson is his name, and he uses the concept of what he calls profit positive. The company must work, and it must generate a profit for shareholders, and for including their partners who are shareholders. Planet positive, it cannot have a negative impact on the planet, period. Their entire supply chain, and they intend to move in that direction. And people positive, that is the person that works at Starbucks must, while at Starbucks, be enhanced in terms of their own human individual personal development. And he says, and we agree, and we're working with him, and this is very consistent with our logic, and this is how Howard and Schultz and I got this thing going. If every company thought that way, we would even be able to conceptualize having a completely different government. You know, we'd be able to think in different ways. And, and so not only do they do very well, but they're doing well in the stock market, they're doing well in globalization, and they're opening 30,000 new stores in China. They're graduating 5,000 graduates. They've got shareholders in every employee. They've got medical insurance for everyone that has at least a 51% appointment. They're going out through the programs that we work with them and finding kids that didn't go to college, don't have a job, giving them a job and getting them in college, and they're doing unbelievably well. Every year we have this cry fest before these graduations. And so we get together with the Starbucks partners and they tell their stories. I was a freshman at Princeton and I got cancer and I dropped out and I had debt and I couldn't go back. I went to, I went to the University of Washington and I just, you know, I had a breakdown. I couldn't get through my freshman year and my grade point was so low, I didn't know what to do, so I've been X'd out. So all these kids then come back through ASU and finish college. And they're there with their parents and the Starbucks brass is there and the ASU brass is there. And we're all bawling. I mean, we, we had, uh, who did we have? Uh, we had even, even when we bring in outsiders, <laughs> we all get teary-eyed and we hear these stories and yeah, so David Brooks. So uh, he was over and uh, he was here for graduation and he came to one of these things. I looked over at David, he, he's a pretty hard-nosed guy. You know, he had a little tear coming down the side of his face. He, he, understood, he understood what we were doing. So it's been a very good relationship. Under Michael's leadership, ASU has succeeded because of the relentless focus on excellence and access but also because they've tackled the fundamental problem of the education status quo. High school and college are basically at the level of technological sophistication of like a Henry Ford auto manufacturing plant from 1910, meaning they're mechanistic, they're structured. The French philosopher Foucault said, if you, wanted, if you want to understand the outcomes, you have to understand everything. So he even commented on the desks in the classrooms and how they're placed and the rigidity of the system and the way people learn. And then what's happened along the way is that because of that rigidity, because of the lack of recognition of the way that different people learn, because of the lack of the understanding of different types of intelligences, like Howard Gardner's work coming in, in, in the different types of intelligence out of all his work at Harvard, we've just been annihilating people. We think they're stupid because they can't learn organic chemistry. No, we haven't learned how to teach organic chemistry. We think that they're stupid because they haven't mastered evolutionary biology or they haven't mastered simple biology. We think it's them. It's not them, it's the teacher. And so what's happened to us is that, you know, what we saw was that these killer, what we call killer courses, they were, they were getting half the students taking the killer course were getting a C or below. And the general academic mind says, well, that's normal. That's the bell curve. Well, the bell curve, are you kidding me? What a joke. You have to master these subjects. You can't have an average outcome. And so we were seeing that if you got a C or below, or if you didn't master college algebra, and you didn't master a whole series of classes that we have, 
your chances of dropping out of the university increase by 50 to 80 percent. And so we would have half the students in this one math class didn't do very well and they dropped out of the university. And the reason they dropped out of the entire university was this one math class. And then, and then in the broader society out there, people just say, oh, isn't that too bad? They must have been, they must have needed to be better prepared. And so I have this thing, it's like, what do you mean better prepared? So, so the most complicated thing that any of us know is not math, it's actually language, which is infinitely more complicated than math. And almost every person masters, if you're a native English speaker or Spanish speaker or Arabic, whatever, you master that by the way in which you're taught by your families, largely. And so, so here we figured out how to teach that. And math, which is simpler, we apparently can't teach that because who's teaching the math? Math geniuses are teaching the math or math teachers are teaching the math in books written by math geniuses. And so what's happened in all of that is that then we've ended up with a system of overly rigid, overly structured, 50-minute lectures in the colleges, taught in a certain way, blackboard equations, all these other kinds of things. And I've seen this over and over and over and over where learning wasn't individualized enough. And so then as computational power has evolved, as algorithms have become more and more capable of reduction to use and reduction to practice in things like learning, I became obsessed and therefore the institution has become focused on this notion of personalized or individualized learning. And you've been listening to Michael Crow, president of Arizona State University. And he's been talking about, well, how he thinks about and how his school thinks about learning. When we come back, more of Michael Crow, individualized learning and how it drove and improved Arizona State University. That story continues here on Our American Stories. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's plenty to celebrate in March and Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. What up, everyone? It's Lunchbox from the Bobby Bone Show, and I'm here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. 
like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive. You can count on your new Camry to get you anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A and we continue with our American stories and with Arizona State University President Michael Crow on their extraordinary innovations in individualizing learning. Let's return to Michael. There's a science fiction version of this from a book written in 1996 by Neil Stevenson called the Diamond Age, and in the Diamond Age, there's a, a young girl living somewhere in what I think is uh, eastern China, but the world's completely different at this point. It's 100 years in the future. And she's a poor kid who accidentally comes in contact with a device. Think of it, this was before iPads, but think of it like an iPad, and it was called the Young Lady's Primer. And the Young Lady's Primer was a device that then could work with this individual person by understanding their psychology of learning. So I read that book in 1996, and I read that book several times. And that book and that object, The Young Lady's Primer, has become like an icon for me to think through this notion of how can we individualize learning. And so we're not all the way there yet. We certainly can't build The Young Lady's Primer. But I will say that we spent half a million dollars with a group of students to build much of it. And so we're working on the idea of The Young Lady's Primer. You pick up the device, it knows who you are, it knows how you learn, it knows how you learn through your life. So we're working on all aspects of that using artificial intelligence-based programming. But adaptive learning is like an earlier version of individualized learning, and it works like this. And so if I'm studying college algebra, I have to understand all the way back into third grade arithmetic. And I have to understand certain concepts along the way to actually master algebra. And the way algebra is taught is it's always taught relentlessly and mercilessly by almost every teacher. And there's no way that I can go back and remember what I didn't learn in the fifth grade because I didn't learn it. And there's no way that I can even remember this concept that I had in the sixth grade, which is essential to me understanding something that I need to do in college algebra. So adaptive learning allows you to take college algebra 
with a, a machine that will answer any question that you need to know to do the algebra, including it will say, well, Michael, I see that you are having problems with negative numbers. And then it goes back and reteaches you negative numbers. It then says, well, you've mastered negative numbers in a way. Here's the new path for you to go. So we've built adaptive learning now in math, in biology, in economics, in psychology. We're expanding the number of courses. We've used it in math the most with unbelievable outcomes. So in math, we're getting like mastery. So this whole notion of getting an A, a B, or a C, and a C is okay. Are you kidding me? If you get a C in college algebra, your chances of being able to graduate from the institution are cut in half. Your chance of being able to complete any degree that requires any kind of analysis of the unknown, which is what algebra is about, is more than cut in half. So we now have an entire adaptive curriculum, 12 courses, 36 college credit hours in undergraduate biology. So when you take bio, let's just make it simple. If you take bio 101, and then three years later, you're taking bio 420, and you're studying the driving forces of evolution in, in this 400 level class, but you can't remember the evolution of the cell structure that you learned at the level that you need back in Bio 101, it goes back and teaches you that again, you personally, individually, so that then you can master that subject, which it knows that you don't really understand. All 12 of these courses are tied together. We call it the Bio Spine. All of these courses then become adaptive in the way that they work, and so they become your individual tutor. We have spent years and millions and millions of dollars to build these things. Lo and behold, voila, as I say, voila. Now we've got kids science majoring that we never had before. We got 60,000 STEM majors online and on campus. Uh, we've got kids mastering math and then moving on and finishing in psychology, and, which requires algebra. Mastering in economics, which requires algebra. Mastering in political science, which requires algebra. We did something here years ago that had a huge impact on me. So we said, okay, well, let's, let's use these early versions of our adaptive learning stuff in math and see if we teach math using these adaptive options and optionality, instead of the one way that we teach the math class where we expect everybody to get it, how many different ways will students take out of a thousand students to advance? So we thought there might be 50. There were a thousand. No two students learned in the same way. The second these guys told me this, I thought, huh, we are the stupidest professors the world has ever created. And so at really, really highly selective schools where you have kids that all had 750s on their SAT math score in the way that math is taught and the way that math is tested and the way that it's then taught at the university, no problem. Because everybody has been, this will sound strange, I don't want to overstate it, but they're sociologically geared to that method of learning math. Well, it turns out most people aren't. And most people even can't. I don't mean that they can't learn math, they can't learn math that way. And so what we're looking for is ways in which we can empower this plethora of learners, this very diverse set of learners. And we're early in this process, but we've seen huge outcomes. You know, we've seen huge improvements in retention, huge improvements in graduation rates, huge improvements in understanding, huge numbers of increases in double majors and triple majors and people taking courses and understanding things. Now the next step will be actual artificial intelligence assets that you can talk to and query with and then other things that we're building now which are full immersion avatar driven emotionally empowering learning experiences. And so Dreamscape is a venture-backed Hollywood company founded by a guy named Walter Parks and a whole bunch of other brainiacs that came out of Disney, came out of DreamWorks, which Walter used to be the CEO of. 
One of the investors in Dreamscape Immersive is Steven Spielberg. And so Walter and Steven, as one example, had built this idea of this full immersive avatar experience. Not like watching the avatar in the movie Avatar, where you're watching the avatars, but you're the avatar. You're in the movie. And then creating the environment in which you, your entire body is an avatar. And everybody else is, that's in the thing with you is an avatar. And you're going through this kind of experience. And so, so they were building this and have been building it the last few years for entertainment use. So they have several sites, LA, Dallas, Columbus, Ohio, Dubai. And they've got like four or five experiences that they've built. And you put on these goggles and these other things on your feet and your hands. And then you go into these things and you're alive in these experiences. And they're unbelievable. They're unbelievable. Believe me. And so I had met Walter before. I went for the experience of the Dreamscape thing, and I could see immediately, immediately, that this was going to be this enabling technology for what we called ETX, education through exploration, which is this whole new way of learning where you're the explorer. In this case, you go to an alien zoo located 10 light years away, orbiting a planet, which then a species that you don't even know has collected animals from all over the galaxy and brought them there to protect them, to conserve them. And then you are fully immersed in this thing. And now they were using it as a fantastic entertainment experience. And then you could see, well, we could teach biology this way. And then it wouldn't make any difference anymore, you know, whether or not your school had a great lab or whatever, here's the lab. We built the lab, the lab, you're in the lab. You're the explorer, you're the scientist. There was a movie made, I don't know, 54 years ago called Fantastic Voyage where an Isaac Asimov science fiction idea shrinks you down with some other humans into a little submarine and you're sent inside a human body to try to save some important person through, I think they have a brain aneurysm or something or a stroke or something. Now you could do that. And then now you're like in your little submarine next to the blood cell. And now you're studying and understanding how these blood cells work. So we brought in our top biologists, our top conceptual thinkers, pedagogical designers, working with uh, these top Hollywood artists and designers and technologists and dreamers and this Swiss group of uh, people that have built these unbelievable visualization engines. And so we brought all these people together. You'll be able to study and learn biology in an alien zoo, 11 light years from Earth. And why am I saying that? It's because it turns out then that you will learn in a different way. Not every kid had the experience that I had in college to go out and study ecology in a virgin prairie in a one meter by one meter by one meter cube taken out of the earth where I studied everything in that one meter cube uh, for one year in a two semester class. Not everybody can do that. And so this means then now there's no constraint. All you need is access to the technology and you're gonna have access to science and you're gonna understand science. And so this is a hugely empowering thing because we've really broken down our society is becoming increasingly knowledge-driven, increasingly S&T empowered, science and technology empowered, and the general population is becoming less and less attached to all of that. So let's just take COVID. So we now have nanoparticle vaccines built at few micron size who are engineered through elaborate, unbelievable processes to fight a virus, which is a ribonucleic acid, who's 30 microns across, who then enters into your DNA structure and then alters the way that your body works while looking for ways to reproduce itself uh, in your body as the means by which you serve as the host of this microorganism. Nobody understands this. Nobody understands any of this because we, we're gonna have to find a way to teach science across our society. 
We're gonna have to make sure that every high school graduate is science literate and every college graduate is science empowered. And many college graduates are science and technology double majored because it's gonna make you a more capable learner for all the complexities and opportunities that lie ahead of you in your life. And these technologies allow us to do that. And you've been listening to Michael Crow, and he's the president of Arizona State University. But what an innovator. And nobody is leading the charge more than Michael Crow and his remarkable team at Arizona State University. Their story here on Our American Story. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. What's out there is unknown. So at UC San Diego, out we go. Because to take on the challenges of the here and now, you got to get your feet wet, your eyes open, and your mind out there, way out there. Turning the unknown into cures, culture, and connections with each step forward. So pack a bag, a notebook, and some sandals, and get ready to look far and think further. UC San Diego. Learn more at ucsd.edu.